Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Glad you were letting us spend some time with you today. And here's what we're going to be talking about. USDA's Outlook Conference is underway and lots of information, a lot of numbers, a lot of projections coming out from USDA. We'll go over some of those numbers with University of Illinois Ag Economist Scott Irwin a little bit later on in the program. And this is National FFA Week and Christy Meyer, Communications Manager for the National FFA Organization, will be joining us. Give us an overview of some National FFA Week activities going on around the country and just an overview on the organization uh, as far as membership and some of its activities and the future goals. All that coming up here on today's program. But we're going to start things off with Gary Bays, an attorney with OFW Law, who has written an article um, voicing concerns about USDA having more flexibility to use swamp buster wetland regulations to take land from farmers. Gary, thanks for joining us. Uh, tell us about your concerns over this proposed rule from the administration. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Yes, uh, this rule was put out on December 7th of 2018, and it's actually in response, uh, at least the way I read it, to a case where I beat the U.S. Department of Agriculture in a swamp buster wetlands case, which I don't mention in the article. But uh, it would appear that uh, the NRCS staff wants to make their job easier for the technical experts to come out onto a farmer's land and determine if you've had a wet spot or something, that that is a wetland, and... Uh, you have turned that into a productive piece of uh, tillage property and are farming it, and they say uh, you're in violation of the Swamp Buster Act, which went into effect on December 23, 1985, and therefore uh, you must uh, cease receiving any of your farm payments because you have uh, taken some land that uh, they determined to be wetland. And as I said, they've made their job easier because in the past, you had to have water on your land for about seven days in a row where you could see it, or 14 days where the soil was completely saturated from about uh, the surface of the soil down to 16 inches. So it's an outrage, frankly, in terms of making the bureaucrats' job easier and uh, harming agriculture, and we do not need that kind of harm during this kind of downturn in the economy. So what if a piece of land is in production and NRCS comes out and determines that it is a wetland? What happens then? Uh, first off, uh, they tell you to cease and desist any farming of that particular parcel. May it be one acre, or the case I had, it was 30 acres. And uh, at that point, you uh, cease receiving any government payments of any kind. So it can be fairly devastating. So there's no requirement that any measurements or anything uh, be developed by NRCS? They just have that power under this rule to come and do, make that determination? Mike, uh, you're very far-sighted. That's why you're on the air raising these questions. Uh, yes, there are all sorts of requirements, uh, but most farmers have no idea that this matter can reach back to something called a 1987 core manual. Then each region of the country, this is number two, has a regional manual from the core. All of them deal with agriculture. All of them deal with just what you said. You need to go out and take some measurements. You have to do what are called transects, or just taking out a tape measure. And that takes a lot of work, a lot of effort. They don't want to do that, Mike. And uh, once they do this measurement, there's something called the 50-20 rule. 
that they don't even mention in this particular proposal. Uh, and I found that uh, the, the lazy NRCS folks did not even do the what's called 50 percent of the uh, uh, the growth on the property has to be what are called wetland plants. Now, there's a list of about 4,000 of these plants. These have never been approved by a regulation. They're just on a list that uh, the NRCS technical expert gets to choose from. Now, in defense of NRCS, they have some very good people. They're very well trained, but it is a lot of work. They don't want to do it, and that's what I found in my case where I beat them. So what do you think is behind this proposed rule? Why do you... Is it for more power to to have control of the land, or what, what's going on? I mean, this administration is about less regulation, and it would seemingly be backing away from this type of thing. You would certainly think so. That's why the title of my column is, Mr. Secretary, Withdraw This Rule. What's going on, and you read about it and hear about it and probably talk to some of your guests about it, the the down bureaucracy is still the same. It hasn't changed one iota since the Trump administration came to town. What happens is you get a lot of really good, well-meaning people in slots at USDA, and a number of them are our friends, like Bill Noyley from Iowa, who is Secretary of Agriculture over there, Ted McKinney, Undersecretary of International Trade. These people are overwhelmed by these jobs and the amount of paperwork it comes through. So when a rule like this is proposed to them, in fact, a good friend of mine, former client Steve Sinsky, the deputy secretary, signed off on this rule. Well, I'll bet Steve doesn't have a clue. In fact, I know he would not have a clue about all of the requirements for what it takes to be a wetland or swamp buster. The whole purpose of swamp buster initially was to save wetlands. Agriculture is blamed for tilling up wetlands, such as in the Dakotas, uh, where they have what are called prairie potholes, and they can be sizable and, and uh, acreage. So what uh, a, I think it was the Democratic House in 1985, when Reagan was president, passed the Swamp Buster Bill. It looked good that it was going to be protecting wetlands. What it is in disguise is a legal way to take farmers' land without them really being able to defend themselves. Most farmers think, well, NRCS and USDA is here to help me. No, they're not. They're there to take your land out of production. Therefore, that so hurts you, you economically. So do you see this rule uh, coming into effect, or can it be stopped? It's in effect at this point. In fact, it's sort of sneaky how the USDA NRCS bureaucrats did this, Mike. What they did, they put it out on December 7th. I can't tell you whether that was a Friday or not. But anyway, they put it out in final form. It's called an interim final rule. But, of course, they wanted to give you, the farmer, and, and the, uh, any person out there the right to comment on it. You could do that up until February 5th, and then they closed the comment period. But all during that time, and from December 7th on, this rule is in effect. Make no uh, mistake about it. It's in effect at this moment, and unless the secretary or others see my column and decide, well, maybe we made a mistake here. So we'll be seeing if there's any reaction to that. You've not heard anything yet from them, have you? I have not heard a word. I wouldn't expect to hear a word uh, from anyone other than sort of being angry that I've caught them trying to make their jobs easier and make the farmer's life tougher. And we, at this point, with the trade issues and price issues, we don't need another government regulation, and particularly from USDA, someone that's supposed to be out looking out for us. But as I said, the Swamp Buster Bill, and you can go look it up, it was passed on December 23, 1985. 
there are four major manuals that you have to master in order to defend yourself. There is a farmer lawyer over in Springfield, Illinois, who has beaten NRCS four times, and they just keep coming back. And so that is what's going on with the bureaucracy. That is another reason why Donald Trump was elected. People don't know all the intricacies, but they know something is wrong. They know the bureaucracy is out of control. This is a perfect example of it. All right, Gary. I'm, I'll be interested to, to hear what the, some of the uh, USDA officials have to say about this. I'll be, I'll be bringing it up to them in my conversations with them in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. That's Gary Bays, attorney with OFW Law. All right, coming up next, lots of numbers coming out of uh, USDA's Outlook Conference going on right now. We'll get some reaction to those numbers from University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. The folks at NK Seeds know that the ag industry is changing, and they know you already have enough surprises to deal with. So they thought you'd like a heads up. They're building a new NK. If you're coming to Commodity Classic, be sure to visit the Syngenta booth to learn more about their reinvigorated NK corn portfolio and consistently high-yielding NK soybeans, all bred with the latest technology to help you maximize ROI. Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. 
Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agri. All right, lots to talk about with University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. Scott, good to have you back on again. Uh, we got the Outlook Conference going on and USDA numbers coming out. We'll get to those in a moment. But let's start with uh, the talks with China. And um, we're hearing these reports that they're working on uh, memorandums of understanding that seem to be a framework for uh, maybe a summit between uh, the President Trump and the Chinese president. And there's a lot of optimism about again, about buying more ag products. What do you make of all this? You know, uh, I, I have remained uh, on the skeptical side, Mike, throughout this. Um, and so I'm going to remain cautious until I see agreements uh, in paper signed by both governments. Uh, there does seem to be some forward movement um, but you know huge structural disagreements still remain between the countries in particular about Chinese policy on intellectual property and uh, currency management and you know so that's why I'm so cautious about this being a done deal I'm kind of the same camp uh, <laughs> I want to believe it, and I'll believe it, though, when I see it and things are actually happening. But, but in the meantime, at least they are talking, and there seems to be a somewhat of a, of, of a positive vibe. What did you make of the president's comments? He actually talked about them buying corn. It's been kind of focused on soybeans up till now, but he did at least mention corn in some recent comments. Right. Uh, this I find really surprising because, you know, uh, no one knows the exact magnitudes of the mountain of surplus corn that China has, but it, it does have a mountain hidden away somewhere. And so why they would be buying large amounts of corn, maybe they need some. But the latest information that has come out in the last 24 hours is that supposedly China is offering to buy an extra, an extra $30 billion worth of ag products for the period of the memorandum per year. Who knows how that's exactly measured, what the base is. There's all sorts of ways there can be wiggle room on that, but um, what would they actually do if it really was an extra $30 billion worth of goods? I mean, that is just hard for me to believe that it could be, you know, that much additional purchases. So, you know, but who knows what's going on here? Yeah, we just have to wait and see. Uh, meanwhile, USDA's Outlook Conference is going on. Seems, I mean, it's always a, a challenge to put out these projections, but here they are dealing with uh, the, still from the government shutdown, which is kind of limited, I think, some of the things they could pull together for this that they would normally do, plus the fact right. they like like what we're just talking about. None of us knows what's going to happen with China, so it's really hard to make projections. I, I talk about this all the time those doing outlook you almost have to have two scenarios one if there's a deal with china even though you don't know what it's going to be and if there's not a deal with china i mean it, it's we have huge unknowns here absolutely um but i do think it's important mike for your listeners to keep in mind one number a billion bushels that's close to the carryover 
that we have on soybeans. Let's say China comes in and buys 300 million extra bushels of soybeans this year. Um, that certainly would reduce that surplus, but we would still likely have a 700 million bushel carryover in soybeans. So, you know, that's just how massive the surplus is right now in soybeans. And then you add to that, even though soybean acres probably will be down somewhat this year, certainly not a, a dramatic amount as some thought it might be this huge switch over to corn and some other crops. It looks like that we're going to still have a lot of soybean acres this year, more than maybe some had thought. Well, you know, the USDA uh, this morning came out with a drop of 4.2 plant, million acres, uh, planted acres. That's that's a bigger drop than I think is um, average in the trade, and it's certainly not consistent with where the economics stand today in the heart of the Corn Belt with regard to expected returns for corn and soybeans. Uh, right now, um, you know, you have had a fall in soybean prices in the last year, but the cost of growing corn, in particular nitrogen, has gone, has gone up enough to eat up most of that uh, price advantage for corn. So it's pretty much a wash. The economics say that you would expect a, a pretty limited switch from soybeans to corn here in the heart of the corn belt yeah they're saying what usda you said 4.2 million switch and uh, i think the trade's more thinking around three right well yeah you see different efforts but i would say uh, probably two and a half to two and three quarters million is uh where the trade seems to be you know so the usda is in for a drop of 4.2 million acres on um soybeans and i believe their corn planting number was up around two and a half million so you know spring wheat i'm sure is up a lot and 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 other there's are soaking up some of that switch that they're assuming in soybeans but um you know i i find you know those a little more extreme than i where i'm certainly at in terms of where we will ultimately end up we're talking with University of Illinois Ag Economist Scott Irwin. Scott, could it be, with all the focus on, um, from an agricultural standpoint, China buying more U.S. soybeans, could it be that we wind up with a more favorable impact on corn than soybeans in a deal with China, at least short term? Uh, that is exactly uh, part of what I find is kind of my puzzlement about the relative pricing of corn and soybeans right now, because it, it looks like corn uh, would benefit three ways. One, direct purchases of corn, probably uh, direct purpose purchases of DDGs, and maybe hopefully hidden in there some big purchases of ethanol. And if they're buying wheat, that takes wheat off the world market. So all of those would be very positive for corn. Yeah, interesting how, you know, we haven't thought that, would be that big of an impact on corn, but it, it might be. That would be a story to watch. Now, meanwhile, Secretary Purdue at the Outlook Conference, and he's uh, he's been speaking with his counterparts from Mexico and Canada and, again, talked about the importance of getting the, the trade deal done, the USMCA deal done. But he's also saying that uh, there are no plans for any more market facilitation payments. Uh, uh, that was a one-time deal or well, in two parts, a one-time deal. No plans to do that. You have uh, you have raised the question, though. Uh, 
what happens if we continue in a downturn and continue to have trade issues and tariffs and things like that? So maybe that could change some at some point in the future. That's right. I mean, the, the history of agricultural politics is that, you know, if Congress feels intense pressure from the ag sector, they will usually end up accommodating it. So that may be their sincere intention at this point, uh, and it's easy to make that kind of statement when you believe that some kind of deal is imminent. But what if, you know, imagine the scenario where the deal collapses and we're going into planting and summer and the harvest and we're looking at $8 soybeans, huge surpluses, and, you know, massive red ink here in the uh, soybean producing belt of the U.S., uh, things can change. And that's what history teaches us. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to make that as a 100% guaranteed statement. Yeah, never say never. Uh, all right, and finally, there's been a lot of speculation about some of the headlines, some of the stories about farm bankruptcies. Some are saying, mm-hmm. you know, this is, you know, a really huge uh, problem. Uh, it's certainly a, a serious problem for those involved in it. But others are saying that the numbers aren't actually that dramatic or it's not that big of an increase. How do you look at the numbers and what you're seeing on, on that front? Well, here's the way I look at it. Clearly, there's an uptick, but the percentage increases in bankruptcies are really kind of an exaggerated way to look at it because the numbers were so low in recent years. So, again, like you said, for the people affected, it's um, an an awful uh, time, but the total number of bankruptcies is, uh, is still historically not that large. But the way I like to frame it is, what our records here in Illinois show is that about two-thirds of the cash grain farms in Illinois, their financials are bulletproof, and you have about one-third where some warning uh, lights are really flashing. All right, Scott, thank you for your time. A lot happening right now and a lot to kind of sort through with all the information uh, going on, uh, coming out of the Outlook Conference and the talks with China. Thanks for your perspective, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you. I'll always enjoy it. Thank you, Mike. University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. Well, it is National FFA Week. A lot of activities going on uh, throughout uh, the country this week uh, in observance of National FFA Week. We'll talk about that with Christy Meyer, communications manager for the National FFA. That's coming up next right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. If you don't know where to look, it's easy to miss something big. Sometimes the answers to our biggest challenges are found in the most unexpected places. The clean energy solutions we need are right in front of us. Always have been. Opportunity is everywhere if you know where to look. See the world differently. Poet. 
Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions? I'll tell you like I'll tell them all. Call my friends at InventHelp. To get your free inventor's information, call 1-800-352-0432. That's 1-800-352-0432. I believe every inventor deserves the opportunity to step into the ring and take their best shot. Put InventHelp in your corner. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network, broadcasting from the International Crop Expo that's underway at the Alaris Center in Grand Forks, North Dakota. For livestock at the Merck, lean hog futures recovering after the recent losses. April lean hogs up $1.60 at at 54.57. June contract up $2.17 at 74.92. We have seen sharp losses in hog futures over the past couple of sessions on this holiday shortened trading week. For live cattle futures, the April contract is down 32 at 128.87. June down a dime at 119.22. Feeder cattle, March contract down 25 cents at 143.62. April feeder cattle at 145.77, down 30 cents. Cash cattle in the central and southern plains asking prices expected to be restated around 128 plus on a live basis, 205 to 207 on a dress basis in the north. Winter weather threatening feeding country that could get the trade started a little bit earlier this week. For the grain and oil seed sector, in soybean futures were trending three to eight and a fraction higher. March soybeans up eight and a half at 9.24 and a half. November at 9.54 and three quarters, up six and a quarter. Wheat's Chicago March up six and a quarter at 4.87. Kansas City wheat March up a nickel at 4.55. Minneapolis spring wheat March up three and a half at 5.52 and a quarter cent. In corn, the March contract up a nickel at 3.75 and three quarters. December up three and three quarters at 4.02 and a quarter cent. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow is trending down 85 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart for a mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. 
It is National FFA Week. Lots of activities uh, going on across the country. Here to talk about it is Christy Meyer, Communications Manager for the National FFA Organization. Christy, thanks for being with us. Kind of give us an example of some of the different events going on across the country this week. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for having me. Um, Probably the most exciting one to mention today is that today is Alumni Day during FFA Week. So it's an opportunity for our members across the country to not only thank those alumni who support them and help mentor them, but it's also an opportunity for our alumni to check in with us. So we're encouraging all FFA alumni to visit our website, ffa.org backslash check in, and check in so we can connect you with other alumni in your area. And we have seen over the years how the the FFA alumni are are a very big part of the organization still, and there's still that strong connection with them, isn't there? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. They help mentor our members and help support them in their local chapters, so we appreciate everything that our, our alumni do for us. Well, we've kind of been watching on social media the different types of events across the country, different observances and different ways to uh, uh, highlight the FFA. And and really, this is an opportunity to let people know about the importance of FFA and and what it means uh, to these young people and then what they're able to do as they go out uh, in whatever career they choose. Absolutely. It's an opportunity for our members to reach out to their community to let them know what they're learning in FFA in their agriculture education classes and also to recruit new members. So, um, for example, on Monday I was in Greensburg, Indiana at their FFA chapter, and the members were getting ready to go to the local elementary school. So they were taking agriculture information with them and sharing it with the next generation so they can encourage them to become FFA members as well. And that FFA membership continues to grow, doesn't it? does. Currently, we are at 670,000 FFA members nationwide, so we're very excited that the passion for agriculture and agriculture education is alive and well. And that increase in numbers, obviously, because it's been a concerted effort over the last several years to, to reach out and include more people from various backgrounds, young people into FFA, and uh, that has really opened uh, the, uh, the membership up and uh, allow more people to come in and and be a part of FFA and use their immense talents in various ways. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing that we realized, too, is that there's so many opportunities in the careers of agriculture with more than 250 careers. Students are understanding that there's a lot of opportunity. So through FFA and agricultural education, they can prepare for successful careers. So we're seeing FFA not just in the rural areas, but in suburban and urban. And I think the message of what FFA offers and the leadership skills we offer is tripping down to others and getting more people excited about it. There are still challenges, though, such as in uh, having enough uh, ag teachers and filling those needs out there. Uh, What's being done along those lines, Christy? Yeah, so it's always a challenge to make sure that we have really strong agriculture teachers. So we're working hand-in-hand with the Teach Ag campaign to encourage people to look at the possibility of going into the agriculture education field. Um, We think it's really important not only to recruit agriculture education teachers, but also to retain them and make sure that our teachers get the tools that they need to be able to stay and be successful in in their classrooms. We also know, and we've seen this for a number of years, it's a challenge. When you have school districts that have tight budgets, uh, financial concerns, uh, sometimes it's a struggle to keep maintain that, uh, that, that ag program in a high school. And it's important. I think that's another important part of National FFA Week, to highlight the importance of the ag program in a school 
and how it benefits so many young people and why it uh, you know shouldn't just automatically be at the top of the list if you have to make a budget cut uh, don't automatically look at the uh, ag program as a place to cut Absolutely. You know, FFA Week is an opportunity for our students to share with the community and their school boards and others um, in the area of how important agriculture education in FFA is, what a difference they're making in their communities. And we see this not only in the FFA programs, but also in how they go out in their communities. One of the things we find during FFA Week is a lot of our chapters do service projects. So a lot of people are out in the community, whether it's helping at local soup kitchens or packing meals, or perhaps they're um, working with educating about the potential for community gardens. So it's a matter of connecting to the community and making them understand that, you know, they're our future leaders for their community. We're talking with Christy Meyer, Communications Manager for the National FFA Organization. Christy, we, we continue to see these stories of how valued young people with ag backgrounds are as uh, future employees of various companies and, and organizations. Obviously, there's a, quite a connection there, and a lot of these uh, companies are very involved with FFA as they see not only the value of the program for these young people, but a value to them as they're going to be hiring some of these people in the future. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, with more than 250 careers in agriculture, we're trying to feed that talent pipeline. And our sponsors and donors see that, you know, and they help us, too, in raising funds for our programming that we offer to our students. In fact, we just had Give FFA Day on Tuesday, which was a very nice success. We had a goal of $200,000 to raise to put toward funding, and we raised more than 222000 So we're thankful for all of our sponsors and donors who help us make sure that we keep all of those funds well-funded. That's an ongoing effort, isn't it? An, an, an ongoing challenge uh, to be able to fund the various programs and projects that are, are currently going on and the ones you hope to be able to do in the future. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's also an opportunity where we really stress the importance of our alumni and volunteers in the local community, especially when you have those school districts who might be working on a tight budget. That alumni support they receive on the local level, whether it's through breakfasts or fundraisers or just being there to mentor the students, that helps not only the chapter, but it helps the advisor and takes a little weight off of that advisor and helps them when they compete in contests and when they're traveling so we're just greatly appreciative of all of our alumni you have quite a champion in secretary purdue i mean (laughs) there's hardly a week goes by that we don't see some picture of him uh with uh with an ffa member or group somewhere yes we're very thankful for his support of our organization yeah, he has really, not that past ag secretaries haven't, they've all been very supportive, but I think uh, uh, Secretary Purdue is taking it to another level when it comes to visibility and, and promotion and awareness of uh, FFA and the, what it means for young people and their, their value and importance uh, to our country. So, uh, yeah, he has really helped you with uh, that awareness, that's for sure. All right, so National FFA Week just about to wrap up. Uh, what are some of the other things you have coming up uh, on that FFA calendar for this year? Yeah, so FFA Week will go through Saturday, um, February 23rd. Tomorrow we're encouraging everyone to wear blue and then post it on your social media. So we'd like to see all of those Facebook and Instagrams and Twitter feeds have um, tribute to blue and, and to FFA. And then we encourage everyone when they're posting on social media to use hashtag FFA Week. And again, I can't emphasize enough, if you're an alumni, please check in with us today. We really want to know that you're out there and we want to continue to grow our community. 
Yeah, so stay in, in touch and let, let us see what the, you're doing in your particular community and area uh, to promote FFA. You know, it's also been noted uh, quite a bit, Christy, um, how involved now young women are in FFA. That was something that uh, only happened, you know, in recent times, really. But uh, they are now such a huge part of the organization, the leadership of the organization. That's been an exciting uh, uh, development over the last several years. Yeah, Mike, I'm so glad you brought that up. One of the things that we're really spotlighting this week is that this is our 50th year of women in FFA. And so not only are females playing a big role in FFA, but they also have a lot of our leadership positions. So it's really nice to see that FFA has expanded and is really encompassing everyone. Uh, we talked about this earlier, about uh, keeping, maintaining a, an ag program in a school. Are we seeing much growth when it comes to getting new programs in schools? Yeah, we are. Our chapter numbers continue to grow along with our membership. So this year, for example, I believe we were um, more than 8,630 chapters nationwide, and a lot of the areas that we're seeing that growth in is suburban and urban. So we're seeing that growth continue. Yeah, some of the some of the bigger cities is where we see some of the uh, very active FFA chapters now. Yeah, you know, um, there we're in 24 of the 25 largest cities. Um, we just had a chapter open a few months ago in Washington, D.C., so we're really excited to see that we're into the, those larger areas. Ah, Washington, D.C., so a good place there to be visible, right? <laughs> right there in our nation's capital. Right, exactly. All right, so uh, a big week, National FFA Week, uh, and again, we want to uh, salute all those uh, members of FFA and the alumni, and as you've pointed out, they're a big part of the organization. So um, looking down the road, it won't be that long before we'll be talking about convention again, right? Correct. Our national convention will be held in October in Indianapolis, so it'll be here before you know it. Yeah, the year goes by very, very quickly. You have a you have a great officer team uh, out leading the organization again this year. We do, we do. We have six wonderful um, officers this year, and this week they're out visiting different states. So it's an opportunity for them to get to know FFA members on the local level and visit different chapters, see whatever all those states are doing. So they're very excited this week, and they're keeping them pretty busy. All right, Christy, thanks a lot, and. Uh, we appreciate you letting us know about some of the activities going on this week for National FFA Week. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. We appreciate it. Take care. Christy Meyer, Communications Manager for the National FFA Organization. Probably some of those activities going on or have been going on this week in your community. Uh, be sure to show your support for uh, the FFA members and chapters in your areas. And there's a lot of ways you can help support and uh Work with them all that you can. They do a great job. Tremendous organization. Has a, a great impact, a positive impact on the lives of these young people and then creates opportunities for them in whatever careers they choose. All right, coming up next, Scott Yeager, Chief Environmental Counsel with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Comment period underway for Waters of the U.S., a new rule. We'll talk about that next on AOA. Stay with us. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people 
just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DMA 0031. All right, crew. Let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. The folks at NK Seeds know that the ag industry is changing, and they know you already have enough surprises to deal with. So they thought you'd like a heads up. They're building a new NK. If you're coming to Commodity Classic, be sure to visit the Syngenta booth to learn more about their reinvigorated NK corn portfolio and consistently high-yielding NK soybeans all bred with the latest technology to help you maximize ROI. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. My mom's a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction, plus the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, running or not. Call 800-745-3327. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today, 800-745-3327, 800-745-3327.
Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, we have some uh, more discussion on environmental rules and different uh, things going on right now. Um, Scott Yeager, Chief Environmental Counsel for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, joins us. Scott, thanks for being with us. Before we get to Waters of the U.S., uh, earlier in our program today, we talked with an attorney who has real concerns about USDA's swamp buster wetland regulations and says that really that rule that they have now allows USDA more flexibility to take land away from farmers using swamp buster wetland regulations, saying it's doing more harm than good uh, to uh, farmers and ranchers and landowners. Uh, do you agree with that? Do you have any thoughts on the on the swamp buster rule? I do have some thoughts on it, uh, Mike, and appreciate the opportunity. Um, we signed on to comments with Farm Bureau uh, that uh, criticized some aspects of that swamp buster interim final rule. Uh, you know, I think the intent they had with that rulemaking was to provide additional clarity on how the USDA performs these wetland determinations, but uh, we don't think it went through the right process to do that. In fact, the fact that it went basically, uh, it basically truncated the, the public process by issuing a, a interim final rule, which became effective law and policy on the day that it was published. So we really didn't get the opportunity, as you typically do through a notice and comment rulemaking with a proposed rule and a final rule, they just kind of jumped right to making it uh, an effective law. So it really didn't give us the opportunity to weigh in substantively on the rule. Um, so that was a big issue that we had with it, and we think there are some there are some issue there are some problems with how they are uh, uh, how USGA put forward how they're going to do these determinations. So we've got some questions on it, and we're hoping that um, they will. They will work with us to address those. Yeah, that's what uh, Attorney Gary Bays told us earlier, too. And he, he's calling for the secretary to withdraw this rule. Do you think that would happen, or, or, the, or would they be willing to make some changes to it, you think? You know, with uh, with the Trump administration, I think it's definitely a possibility. Um, you know, I, I feel like agriculture does have a seat at the table, especially on issues like this. And we're being heard and listened to more often than not. Um, so I think uh, you know elevating this to to the secretary is, is a good way to to show that this is an issue that kind of flew under the radar and we really didn't have a, a formal opportunity to to weigh in in a, in a traditional notice uh, and comment rulemaking process. So I think it's one that that uh, hopefully will be listened to and then we'll get some redress on it. 
Because as I mentioned, and I mentioned this earlier in talking with Attorney Gary Bays, this seems to be just the opposite of what we're hearing from this administration because they're talking about less regulation, less government, uh, you know, uh, involvement as far as uh, being able to take your land away from you and, and the rules and regulations that, uh, uh, you know, have been considered so onerous in, in the, by the past administration. This seems just to be flying opposite of what we've been hearing from this administration. And, and what was so funny about this particular rule is that it really flew under the radar. Not a lot of people had heard about it. Not a lot of people really uh, were aware of it. So I think that alone is reason enough to kind of go back to the drawing board and figure out, okay, what are the stakeholders saying about this? You know, if I, if I was USDA, what are they saying? How do we address that in a way that makes sense? And um, and then move forward with it rather than kind of doing this one shot. Um, rulemaking change that really didn't um, take our input into the process. So that's uh, going to be a topic of conversation moving forward. And as I mentioned earlier, I, I look forward to bringing this up in discussions with USDA officials in the future. All right, we're talking with uh, Scott Yeager, Chief Environmental Counsel for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Scott, we do have a proposed new rule for waters of the U.S. Comment period underway. Tell us about the importance of uh, weighing in on this. It's so important to weigh in uh, in on this new proposal. You know, what we're seeing here at NCBA is that this new water rule is a whole lot better than the Obama administration's 2015 WOTUS rule. And so I think it's something that we are going to be supportive of as the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Others in the agricultural uh, trade associations are going to be supportive of it, and we hope that our producers get out there and comment on it and like you said the comment period just opened and it will be a 60-day comment period now ncba has tried to make this as easy as possible for our members and producers to do that all you have to do is go to policy.ncba.org and you'll see a link to file comments on the new uh, water rule so i encourage people to do that uh, producers should make their voices heard in this process don't sit back on your laurels because you think it's the Trump administration and everything's just going going easy. We have to make our voices heard. We have to get out there and engage. Continued engagement is what helps us get this across the finish line. So please do make an effort. Go to policy.ncba.org and file your comments. Do they need to do more than just say, I support this new rule, I like it better than the old rule? Do they need to be more specific about why this is a better rule? You know, to the to the extent that producers can put their their um, their factual kind of facts, their operation, and about how they've had to deal with uh, EPA Clean Water Act issues in the past, whether that be a EPA regional enforcement coming out and saying that they've got a WOTUS on their land or or other types of issues like that, I think that helps a lot to shine light on some of the problems that we've had in the past dealing with ambiguous and overreaching regulations, and that helps put light on why it's so valuable to have a new rule that really you know, attempts to follow Congress's intent with uh, it being navigable waters. Now, it's not just navigable in the rule, but it is the, the spine, the, it's the backbone of this rule. Uh, there are some waters that are not traditionally navigable that are also incorporated in this rule, but you have to see that EPA is trying to strike a balance between uh, creating a rule that uh, over, you know, pulls back on the Obama administration while also creating a rule that is going to survive a legal challenge in the court system, and we think it does that. So having facts and specifics to your operation, I think, goes a long way. Uh, or alternatively, if you just want to submit a, a, you know, a pretty basic comment, like 
like you said, this is better than the old rule. That you know that helps too. So every little piece counts, and if you've got the time to to do more than uh, a basic letter, uh, that's great too. Hey, just a few seconds here, real quick. But the waters of the U.S. new rule doesn't fix the the other issue we talked about, swamp buster. These are separate issues. These are 100% separate issues, but okay. we would like them to kind of play off each other because we don't want these agencies working in silos. So to the extent that EPA and USDA kind of collaborate to you know, make sure that this end product coming from the USDA makes sense and is in line with a, a new WOTUS rule, that's helpful, helpful to us to that, that producers yeah. don't have to consult with 10 different agencies to get a decision. Right. Good clarification there. All right. Thank you, Scott. Good to talk with you. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Scott Yeager, Chief Environmental Counsel for NCBA. Thanks for joining us on Adams on Agriculture.